Sifter for the ear. News, interviews, reviews, cinema, TV, streaming. Action. Hi, y'all. This is Jerry Williams, a.k.a. TV Jerry. The Richmond 48-hour film project is shooting July 14th through 16th, but now is the time to register. The 48 is the largest filmmaking competition in the world. Each year, more than 100 cities across the globe compete to write, shoot, and direct a short film in 48 hours. 20 teams have already committed to this annual Richmond tradition, which is now in its 17th year, and I'll have a link where you can sign up on the webpage for this show at tvjerry.com. So I helped to secure three individuals to play golf with Samuel L. Jackson, the city manager, the mayor, and the director of economic development. Not one of them had a clue who Samuel L. Jackson was because none of them went to movies. That was Sergei Trebetskoy talking about sending Samuel L. Jackson to play golf with three of Stanton's government leaders. Sergey has worked as a film liaison for localities around Virginia, including Petersburg, Lynchburg, Stanton, and Bedford. During that time, he's amassed some great stories about the business and the stars that he'll share with us. Sifter Review of the Week Glamorous on Netflix. A young, gender nonconforming queer, played by Miss Benny, lands a job working for a makeup mogul, Kim Cattrall, which opens up a whole world of fashion and gay life for him. Cattrall holds court with the kind of haughty style that's her thing. Miss Benny, who revels in lots of makeup and feminine-presenting attire, actually doesn't possess much charisma, and his lack of comic timing isn't helped by his whiny nasal delivery. Some of the supporting roles actually add oomph to the series, particularly Michael Hugh Rosen, the sweet boyfriend, and Zane Phillips, the pumped son. This starts out looking like it's going to be a zany comedy, but every ep gets progressively more serious, with work rivalries and romantic life causing strife. The dialogue gets repetitive, hashing over the same conflicts and messages. The sex scenes are all off-camera, so they've provided plenty of shirtless, muscular males for a tease. If this feels like a gay version of Emily in Paris, there are definite comparisons, but this series lacks the comic cleverness and overall sense of fun. I gave Glamorous two out of five stars. Sergey Trebeskoy, welcome to Sifter for the Ear. You know, it's ironic that just last week, it wasn't planned, but I did the interview with the folks who made the movie A View from the Rear View, and they talked about working with you in Petersburg. So that's when I called you up and said, hey, this might be a fun story to do. So welcome to the show. Thank you. First of all, I know that now you're the president of Main Street Petersburg, and you've been working in tourism for many, many years, but you also work with the film people when they come to town. Yes, indeed. And interestingly enough, uh, my first exposure with film was actually growing up in Richmond and a couple of films came to town and I signed up to be an extra. I also met a number of old movie stars like Lillian Gish came to Richmond and I met her and chatted with her. And over the years, I met people like Ruth Gordon and uh, Rosin Russell and I became good friends with Vincent Price. Footnote. If you want to identify the people he just named, they're famous stars from earlier times. Google them. So, you know, I've always had an interest in film. Uh, I grew up in Richmond and we did not have air conditioning at home. So you know what I did when uh, hot, humid days arrived in Richmond, Virginia. I would head off to the nearest movie theater. And if I liked the film, I would sit through and see it a second time. Oh. And because of that, I developed a huge interest in film. Uh, So when I went to Petersburg, this is my second time in Petersburg. Right, right. You were there in the 80s first. In the 80s. And the first big film to come there 
was Gore Vidal's Lincoln, which right. no one knows, remembers, because it was made for television, and it aired opposite one of the segments of Roots on television. Oh, Lord. Footnote. Roots was a miniseries that came out in 1977 based on Alex Haley's novel about slavery in the United States. It was an award-winning artistic success and a monster commercial hit. Anyway, it had uh, Sam Waterston played Abraham Lincoln. And, it, it, of course, it's amazing when you look back because it's one of seven Lincoln-related films that have been shot, at least partially, in Petersburg. Wow. So during that filming, and by the way, the Virginia Film Office at that time was relatively new. And one of their relatively new employees was a man by by the name of Andy Edmonds, I believe. (laughs) Um, And um, so anyway, during the filming, I had lunch one day, one-on-one with Sam Waterston. Footnote. Sam Waterston played Lincoln in that, but he's been in many other hits. Who was just a really nice man and very interesting person. He was very interested in history. And several years later... I had moved on to Stanton, and he was making a movie in Stanton. He walked off the set, walked up to me and said, so when did you leave Petersburg? Wow. And I was just startled that he remembered me, quite frankly. Footnote. By the way, that film was called Assault at West Point. What are some of the fun things that have happened in some of these places when you've been there charged with helping the filmmakers? I will tell you one of the most challenging things that I have had over the years is finding a courtroom because so many films involve a courtroom. And if it's an active courthouse, good luck. Yeah, (laughs) Good luck getting that courtroom. Is that true? Even like if say, well, we want to shoot on a Saturday and Sunday. Is it easier if you do the weekends? Even then. And it's, it's probably even more difficult today because of security issues. Right. Of course. So the first time I was in Stanton, And it was a a film, Assault at West Point, the Johnson uh, Whitaker story with Sam Waterston. They wanted to use the courtroom for a week, a week. Wow. And when I heard that, I thought, oh, my, (laughs) this has got to be a challenge. And so I went to the clerk of court, who I knew fairly well, and I said, I have this major film, and they really would like the courtroom for a week. Well, as luck would have it, the judge was going to be on the first vacation he had had in like three years. Wow. And it was going to be the very week that they wanted to film. So they filmed, and it was it's an important part of that film. Much of it takes place in the courtroom. Wow. Well, you were lucky on that one then. That was just luck. In very recent times in Petersburg with Dope Sick, they wanted to film in the courtroom at the circuit court building. And I thought, oh no, here it goes again. (laughs) Well, that was going to be only one day, but the ideal day for them was going to be a Monday. And I thought, that's probably not going to happen. Maybe I can get you for Sunday. And the problem is, is that the filming was only going to be one day, but they had to set up and take down. So they really were looking for three days. Right. I went to the clerk of court (laughs) and I said, is it any way? Well, she said, I doubt it, but I will check with the judges. Three different judges use that courtroom. Well, 
someone up there was looking out after me because those three judges that week had a three-day mandatory virtual conference that they had to participate in. Wow. So I decided that for the first time in many years, I was going to be an extra again because I was curious to see how a major studio dealt with filming during COVID. Uh-huh. And it was a fascinating experience. The filming was on a Monday. That Friday, everyone had to have a COVID test. The Monday, the day of the shooting, everyone had to have another COVID test. Everyone had a mask and a shield, which only came off when actual filming was going on. Wow. And during lunch, everyone was spaced six feet apart. And it was just really interesting to see. Oh, the good old days. Good old days. (laughs) Yeah. And if people look at the scenes on the outside of the of the courthouse and they see a crowd of people that are yelling at uh, the people coming out of the courthouse if you look closely and don't blink you might spot me uh-huh okay <laughs> i'm in the crowd surprise guest drop in so we got mr andrew edmonds here dropped in to say hello footnote andy edmonds has been the director of the virginia film office since 2011 Oh, my goodness, Sergey! How the heck are you doing? <laughs> okay. Jerry, you don't know this, but I was hiding from Sergey yesterday because he came up to the tourism office for a tourism event, and I was trying to avoid him because I didn't want to have the look on my face that, hey, man, I'm going to pop in and say hi tomorrow on the podcast, and I knew you were doing the podcast. But no, look, uh, Sergey and I go way back. And what's Wait amazing about our local film liaisons is they have other stuff to do, Jerry. You know, they have other jobs. So for us to inject ourselves into their daily lives can sometimes be quite an inconvenience because, you know, uh, being a producer and director yourself, Jerry, uh, filmmakers are very needy people, right? And so we will have demands that require last-minute uh, attention. And for us to inject ourselves into the workflow of Sergey and others in his role in various communities around the state – we certainly do appreciate the ability to do that. You know, some around the state that, that we, you know, bring into this role, understand that urgency better than others. And uh, I got to I'm not going to name any names, but I got to say that Sergey's always been one to uh, pick up the phone and respond to us and, uh, and know that we need to get some pictures of something or get a key to a place or find out where the bodies are buried. And, and Sergey's one of those folks that we can always count on. I remember going back, we did... Um, Hearts in Atlantis up in, in Stanton, right? Were you there on Hearts in Atlantis yeah. in Stanton, Sergey? Yeah. yeah, that's right. Footnote. Hearts of Atlantis starred Anthony Hopkins and was released in 2001. Yep, I remember you called me uh, late. I, I want to say it was a Friday. It was a late in the day, and you apologized for calling late. You said, I'm on my way with some film scouts, and I said... I'm so sorry, but I'm not going to be able to meet with you, but tell me what you're looking for. And you gave me about three different sites that you were looking for. And I said, we've got them all. And this is where they are. And those five sites are where all the filming for that movie took place. Cool. All of them. That's right. All of the filming. <laughs> and, and, you know, still promoting Virginia out there. So I just wanted to say hi, Sergey, and thank you so much for your help 
over the years, my friend. Happy to continue to do that. <laughs> it's always a pleasure to hear from you too, Andy. Thank you so much. All right, Jerry. We'll uh, keep up the halfway decent work, okay? <laughs> uh, just like you. I'm trying to stay in your level, Andy. <laughs> All right. Take it easy. Thank Bye. you so much. Bye-bye. Now, you told me earlier that you had a story about Samuel L. Jackson. Well, yes. Samuel L. Jackson, like just about everyone in Southern California, loves to play golf. And so while he was in town, he wanted to play golf. Footnote. That Stanton shot film, Assault at West Point, also starred Samuel L. Jackson. Well, luckily, Stanton has three golf courses. So I helped to secure three individuals to play golf with Samuel L. Jackson. Hmm. They included the city manager, the mayor, and the director of economic development. Cool. So they go out and play with Samuel L. Jackson. But what I did not know until after the fact is that not one of them had a clue who Samuel L. Jackson was because <laughs> none of them went to movies. My gosh. Of course, Samuel L. Jackson probably loved the fact that these people didn't know he was. I was just going to say that. They probably just treat him like some other schmo as opposed to a yeah. big movie star. That's great. So I think that's a great story. So tell me about Vincent Price. How did you get to know him? Footnote. Vincent Price might be known to younger listeners as the narrator of Michael Jackson's thriller video, but he had a distinguished career as an actor and was known for his horror films, including several based on Edgar Allan Poe's stories. For many years when I was in Richmond, I worked part-time at the Poe Museum. Right. And I was there one day when Vincent Price shows up. I introduced myself, and he immediately knew my name because he knew a Trebetskoy relative of mine in California. Wow. So that opened up discussion. We found that we had a lot of similar interests. We stayed in touch. And he did a play in Washington, D.C. He actually took it all over the country, where he portrayed Oscar Wilde. And so I went to Washington to see the show, and we went and had dinner. He later took the show to Baltimore. I went to Baltimore saw the show again, and I took him to the Poe House in Baltimore. He'd never been there. And to this day, the brochure for the Poe House in Baltimore has a quote from Vincent Price on the top of the brochure, and it's from that visit. Wow, cool. I don't guess you got any credit for that in the brochure, did you? I, I didn't. But the funny <laughs> thing is, is, the quote is, this place gives me the creeps. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, that's a great double entendre, too. Yeah. yeah. And I have notes from him, and I have his cookbook inscribed by him. But he was a wonderful person. We shared a lot of interest. We had great conversation. So you've talked about some of these cities we've been to, a couple of the cities you've mentioned. What about Bedford? The first big one when I was there was Lake Effects, which was filmed down at Smith Mountain Lake. Footnote. Lake Effects was the TV movie shot in the area in 2011. However, they were having trouble finding one of the locations, and it was a bank. And banks are kind of like courthouses. You, it's hard to right, right. <laughs> they're concerned about security, and you know, if it's you've got to find a time where they're not open. And I said, Well, actually, we have a beautiful bank building that could work because it is no longer a bank. But it looks like a bank. And they ended up filming not only in the bank, but the streetscape around the bank. It looks really, really cool on film. Oh, good, good. I've dealt with in both Bedford and in Petersburg with 
various films involving uh, zombies. Oh, wow. Tell us about that. We love the zombies. <laughs> I think in both cases, I said to the directors, I said, if you need any extra zombies, I can lead you to a whole to buildings filled with them. <laughs> <laughs> and they let out laugh. They really love that. They knew exactly what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> so any good stories on either of the zombie movies? The one in Bedford was kind of fun. It was a low-budget film. By the way, what's the name of that film? Do you remember? I think this is the one that was a remake of Plan 9 from Outer Space. Footnote. Plan 9 from Outer Space is considered by many to be the worst movie ever made. I have a podcast with a woman who wrote a book about the making of the film, and I'll include a link on the page for this show at TV Jerry. These filmmakers came and they wanted to remake it. You know, there was a scene in the in this movie that involved trick-or-treaters. I needed to find all these kids to dress up for Halloween and pretend like they go trick-or-treating. The problem is, and I didn't know it until later, that all these kids would not be able to see the finished film oh, because right. the fil finished film had an R rating. Right. Because of nudity. And so I had to like, okay. <laughs> yeah, right. I was really kind of concerned about that. Right. Luckily, there were there are no sex scenes. It's just nudity. Actually, it was a fun movie. It was a lot better than the original Plan 9. This one actually <laughs> was entertaining. I don't know if it ever really got released. I know that, they, that Walmart, of all places, was selling DVDs at one point of this movie. So, Sergey, what takeaway or advice do you have or have you gotten from other people about the business? Uh, one thing that I learned early in my career in dealing with filmmakers, I was told by someone who said, do not ignore the small filmmaker, the person who's never made a film before, because those people could easily turn we'll out to back. be the Steven Spielbergs of the world. Right. They all, all major filmmakers started out small. And the other thing I found really interesting over the years in different cities there often is are one or two people in these film projects. There's a thread that links multiple films in multiple communities. Yeah, Andy's talked about that more than once on the show about how that yeah. you, know, you work with and somebody I mean, once and then they show up in another movie doing something else. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I mean, I've showed film scouts around a community, and the community is not right for whatever film they're looking at. But I see those same people three years later. They're working on another project, and that community is perfect for that film. Right, you know, so great. don't ignore the person that says no to you because, you know, they know for that particular project, but they could easily come back with another project and often a bigger project. What would you say is the weirdest or the hardest ask request that you had for something? I'll tell you an ask that I didn't expect to be difficult. It ended up to be very difficult. I had a film project. It was when I was in Stanton, and they were looking for a grocery store that was going to have the look of a 1960s grocery store. I can't tell you how many grocery stores we went to that dated from that era, but had just been remodeled. And we looked, and we looked, and we looked, and they most of the film was filmed in Stanton. But that scene... They had to drive like 45 minutes away to find the grocery store that had that look. And within months after they did that film, that grocery store shut down. Oh, wow. To this day, I make note whenever I see a grocery store that has that look because they're so rare. And I think it was the hardest thing I ever had. 
Wow, wow. Another, while I was in Stanton, we had film scouts come who wanted, they were going to film Lassie, the movie Lassie. Right. The scouts came and we searched all over the county. They were looking for this farm where Lassie lived. The challenge there was to find a farm that had no modern intrusions, particularly Uh power lines. Well, (laughs) you would think that would not be that hard. It was very hard to find. We finally discovered this beautiful, beautiful farm, and it was nestled in this little valley, and there were no power lines. Well, then it was time to bring the director. So they take the director out to the farm. All this fog had set in, and what made that the perfect farm was not a perfect, didn't look perfect to him because you couldn't see anything. You could uh. hardly see the farm, let alone the vistas, which is what was so important. Right. So we lost that film to Taswell County. Well, that's, that's showbiz. Okay, so th- that's Stanton. You have something that's Stanton-centric or not Stanton-centric? Well, it's kind of a little of both. Um, when I was in Stanton, it was a great uh, antique and classic car dealer, Bruce Elder, and he leased vehicles for movie projects all over the Commonwealth of Virginia. Sure. They were filming Evan Almighty. Footnote. Evan Almighty was the comedy starring Stephen Carell, who's called by God to prepare for a flood. And one day he said, why don't you come with me? I'm going over to the set. So I go with him over to this um, film set over in Waynesboro. There were, I think, four or five of us were the only people who watched a scene being filmed with Morgan Freeman. And that was really cool Wow! to watch him. But it was also really cool to hear all the stories of all the automobiles that he would lease to various film projects. And he sold cars from all decades of the 20th century. I mean, if you wanted a Model T, he had that. If you wanted a 1960s car, he had that. And um, all the vehicles in that, particular movie are ones that they leased from him and he shared with me one story i think i'm probably the only person who knows this story until right now he said you know when war of the worlds was filmed outside of stan and actually one small scene was filmed in the city right across the street from the car dealership and he said tom cruise came in one day and bought a car as a gift for steven spielberg Wow. Do you know That's what kind of car cool. it was? I don't. Okay. And unfortunately, Bruce is no longer living. He passed away from cancer. Great guy. Really wonderful, wonderful guy. The business is still there, though. The car, the automobile business is still in Stanton. Footnote. I called Brian Rhodes, who now runs Bruce Elder Antique and Classic Automobiles, and was Bruce's assistant. I thought it might be a good future podcast. But when I told him the Tom Cruise story, he replied, never let the truth get in the way of a good story, and explained that actually, Steven Spielberg bought a Mustang for Cruise, but it was done through an assistant, so neither of the famous folks actually visited the store. But Brian has promised lots of other cool stories when he comes on this show. So one question I always like to ask everybody, when you're not out there promoting Petersburg, what are you watching? Oh my, I am a big moviegoer. So, um, I'm what was the last movie you saw? What was the last movie I saw? Um, gosh, I'm pulling a blank what the okay. last movie I saw was. I do know what the last movie I saw was. I saw the at the Bird Theater, they had uh, these short movies made by uh Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton. 
Those are the last movies I saw. Or is there stuff you stream if you're not at the movie theater? I'm usually at the, I'm more at the movie theaters. I really like seeing stuff on a big screen. Me too. You know, and I like a lot of old movies too. And I've gotten really interested in more recent years with early films, you know, like silent films and early films, which I've always kind of had an interest in, but I've met a number of silent film stars. Right. And that I think probably uh, helped to uh, get that interest going. All righty. Well, I want to thank you so much for this. It's been fascinating to find out more of some of these interesting stories about making movies around the state. And uh, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and fun stories with us. Okay. You're very welcome. Thank you. That was Sergei Trebetskoy, who's currently promoting tourism in Petersburg, but has worked as a film liaison for localities around Virginia, including Petersburg, Lynchburg, Stanton, and Bedford. I'll have the two Plan 9 links and more on the webpage for this show at tvjerry.com. Coming soon. In theaters. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. The fifth and final adventure with Harrison Ford. Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken. This animation takes place in a royal family of sea krakens. Everybody. Just in time for Pride, a documentary that profiles three people who were born intersex. That's the I in LGBTQIA. Sound of Freedom, based on the true story of a government agent turned vigilante who tries to rescue hundreds of children from sex traffickers. The In-Law Gang. After five years of enduring the insults and disrespect from her in-laws, a woman decides to take revenge. TV and streaming. Rock Hudson, All That Heaven Allowed, on Max. Also for Pride, this is a new bio-documentary on the star, including his closeted gay life. Taylor Mac's 24-decade history of popular music, on Max. This wild, blatantly gay performer performs. The Gold, on Paramount+, Plus. Hugh Bonneville plays an 80s detective trying to solve Britain's largest gold heist. Downey's Dream Cars, on Max. A team restores six of Robert Downey's classic cars to make them more eco-friendly. The final season of Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan has John Krasinski returning to Amazon Prime for one more adventure. The Witcher on Netflix, season three with Henry Cavill, returns for the last time with part one. Part two drops July 27th. You can subscribe to this podcast on all the usual platforms or you can visit tvjerry.com. Click on the podcast tab and there's a link. Next week, we're going to stay in Petersburg. TV star Tim Reed, who's been living there with his wife Daphne for years, will join me to talk about his career, coming to Virginia, and his upcoming event with legendary comic Tom Dreesen. This is Jerry Williams. Thanks for listening. For more Sister, including literally thousands Thousands of of reviews, reviews, visit tvjerry.com.